Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And you drop a 225 in front of that number, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States. That is absolutely correct, and we'd love to hear from you. Just go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Last week, we had quite a few people holding when we went out. The show kind of started out a little bit slow. We didn't get that many calls to the beginning, so we did quite a bit of uh, jaw-jacking. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, at the end of the show, I think we had four people holding when we went out, and I apologize, but that's just the way it is when that oh, yeah. clock hour comes up, man. We're out of here. So. That's it. They give us the boot. Yeah, you bet, and literally, too. <laughs> <laughs> so call on in, and right now we've got time to talk to you and spend a little bit of time, get you a complete answer to whatever questions you might have. And are going to our phone lines with Richie. Good morning, Richie. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Look, I just picked up a used car for my son. Okay. And as I look through the windshield, where the windshield wipers go, mm-hmm. it makes the lights, street lights, and headlights streak at me. And if I look through the side window, everything's good. And if I look where the windshield wipers aren't moving, mm-hmm. it's, you know, nice and clear. But it's quite disconcerting to see all these for lack of a better term, light lines coming at me from every headlight. Is there something I yeah. can do to clean my windshield? Or Rich, there's a couple of possibilities. I'm going to give you the most complex or, I guess, most difficult to solve first. When the windshield wipers wipe back and forth across a dry windshield, let's say there's some dust or maybe some debris or some abrasive on that windshield, and the wipers move back and forth, it can scratch the glass, and those little tiny scratches are going to refract the light, and that's going to make all the light lines like you're talking about. Now, you might be able to polish those out. I don't think you can clean them because they're probably scratched down into the glass. You'd have to get something like a magnifying glass, look real close. If you see little tiny groove marks in the glass, that's most likely going to be the case. There are people who actually polish glass. You might talk with a windshield company and just see if there's something they can do. Kind of like polishing paint or anything else that gets a scratch in it. A lot of times you can go and just smooth it back out. If that's not possible, you may have to actually replace the glass. I'll talk about that in just a second. Now, a much simpler thing and something you could hope for is the wiper blades have some cuts or nicks in them from wiping over a dirty windshield, and the blades will wear. And what happens is as it wipes, it leaves a little streak of water, and that water refracts that light. The very best thing to clean that windshield with is any type of an alcohol-based cleaner. Something like Windex has ammonia in it. That will do an okay job, but you can just take like some alcohol on Mm -hmm. a a towel and wipe it with that. Get it good and clean first and kind of run your fingers over it lightly and make sure there's no little picks or pecks in the glass. Because if you have that, it's just going to cut a brand new blade right back up. Gotcha. But if, the, if it's fairly clean, you, I've heard some people take a single-edge razor blade and just mm-hmm. kind of run that over it just to make sure to get all the little picks and picks smoothed out. And then sure. go ahead and change the blades after that where you got a good blade on a smooth surface. Okay, yeah. I mean, it looks like I've got, you know, mm-hmm. eight to ten laser beams staring me in the face <laughs> right. the light that comes by. Well, what will happen, people put a new blade on and they'll have, like I said, little pecks and stuff in the glass. Well, as mm-hmm. the blade wipes across it, it cuts little spots in it, so it leaves little trails of water. You can't really see them, but that light catches them, and it gotcha. makes a that refraction of the light in your eyes. and Especially if there's a rock chip or light, light sand or something that might have mm-hmm. gotten on it, and that mm-hmm. will tear them up. And, then, and also, if the blade gets stuck down, if they're not used for a long time, mm-hmm. like it's been several weeks since we've had a good rain that right. needed the windshield wipers, they will actually stick to the front glass. of the cowl mm-hmm. and the glass, and when they come loose, they'll rip. Yeah, a little tiny piece will kind of rip out of so them. So that'll also cause it. I had a uh, T-Bird one time, Richie, that I don't know what happened to the windshield in it, but I mean, you just, when it would rain, you couldn't see. And I was talking to my insurance agent, and I had comprehensive insurance. He said, man, we'll put a new windshield in the car. 
and I had no idea, but they covered that glass. I put a new windshield, it fixed it completely. You know, but it was something had gotten on the glass and actually etched, etched it. into yeah. it. Yeah, we've seen but that happen. It was dangerous. I mean, when you drive, you could not see. So you had to pull over. It was so bad. So well, I appreciate the help, guys. Hi, Richie. Your show. Thanks, Thank man. You. Bye, bye. Thank you. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we would love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? We got Herb on the line. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Good morning. I got a towing question for okay. you. Okay. I got a 01 four-door, four-wheel drive Yukon, and I need to get it to Atlanta, and my tow vehicle is a half-ton Dodge with the Hemi and the four-wheel drive. Yes, sir. Trailer weighs 2,000 pounds. You think I'm going to be overstressing it to try to tow it over there, mm. I mean, haul it's, it over there? Yeah, it's a half-ton truck you're pulling it with? Yes, sir. You're going to be kind of at the limit of what it'll pull, but, I mean, I think as long as you're responsible with it, you could do it okay. What I would do, just drive it at a normal clip. Don't try to pull it 75 miles an hour. And if the truck feels like it's straining, I would go ahead and maybe shift it out of overdrive. But as long as it doesn't feel like it's straining and all your maintenance on the truck is up to date, you should be fine. I was wondering if I towed it in the Mode that would be better, yes, yeah. sir, because tow haul mode is going to apply more pressure to the clutches and the transmission, and it's also, it may even apply manual clutches and low takeoff and all that. That's what it's designed for. It'll also change the strategy, the alternator. It'll change several things on the vehicle to make more power and make it more ready to tow. So, yeah, that's what that button is for. That would be better than just taking it out of overdrive. Yes, sir. Yes, it sir. would. It would because we take out overdrive, your RPM are going to rise and you're going to burn a lot more fuel. Whereas tow haul, if it's got that feature, it's going to basically reprogram the computer. It's got okay. a program that's going to execute just for towing. And like I said, it will. You'll put, notice it. Yeah, you'll notice it. Your shift points will be a little later. The it'll have more pressure on the clutches and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, I didn't realize it had that feature. But yeah, if you got that, that would be excellent. I'm guessing this trailer and truck together, the trailer and the Yukon, is probably about. Eight to 9,000 pounds, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, you're probably getting up there close to it. One other thing I might would do, Herb, is because that's going to put a good deal of stress and right. it's going to deplete whatever's there. I think I would want to have my transmission service if it hadn't been done recently, and by recently I mean the last 30,000 miles. I'd go out and have a proper service where they change the fluid and the filter. That way you're starting out with fresh fluid in it. Definitely going to make it a whole lot easier. The other thing is, of course, allow enough time to break when you stop. You want to... Let the truck kind of coast to a stop rather than really riding those brakes down because that's going to also put a lot of strain on the braking system. But, again, the transmission is probably my biggest concern. Okay. That's what's my concern. Yeah. I, I don't drive about 55 to between 55 and 60 probably as fast as I mm-hmm. do. Just to kind of hedge your bet. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much. All right, Herb. All right. Nice call, man. Bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six. the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we would love to have you. And we're going back to the phone lines with Bell. Good morning, Bell. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing great, ma'am. Good morning. Yes, I have a question. I have a 2010 Toyota Camry, Mm -hmm. and it drives smooth, but when I apply my brakes when I'm driving at like 55 or 60 miles per hour, Yes, ma'am. My steering wheel shimmy. Yes, ma'am. It shakes a lot. Mm -hmm. That's that's called brake shutter, Bell, and it's a fairly common problem on most newer cars. What they have done to get better fuel mileage they have lightened the little cars up as much as they possibly can. They've just stripped weight everywhere that they can. And one of the things that they've lightened up is what they call the brake rotor. That's the big metal disc that the brake grabs to stop the car. And naturally, every ounce of weight you can cut off of a car is going to give you better fuel mileage. So they've cut all that stuff back to the minimum. And Uh those are fairly light duty now. The problem is people drive just as fast as they always did. And those get real hot. I mean, under normal operating conditions, they get up to almost 450 degrees. Now, 
a number of things can cause them to warp. One thing is if the rear brakes are not operating 100%, like, for instance, if it has drum brakes on the rear, which I don't know if it does or not, but if it does, you have to use your parking brake when you park the car or they won't adjust. And if they don't adjust, they kind of quit working as well, and it makes the front do more stopping so it'll warp the rotors. That's one thing. Okay. Another thing is when it rains so hard here and you have standing water in the road five, six inches deep, and you're driving along with a rotor that's 450 degrees and you run through cold water, well, you're taking a piece of cast iron that's real hot and throwing it in cold water, it just warps it. So that's another thing. It's best to avoid driving through high water. If you cannot avoid it, just kind of lightly keep your foot on the brake and accelerate at the same time. Don't apply the brake, but just lightly keep your foot on that brake as you drive through the water. That'll kind of keep the temperature up, and that will help a good deal. The last thing is if someone does brake work on it and they put non-Toyota pads, like for instance, and we're not going to mention any names, but let's say you go to a repair shop, and rather than buying the pads from Toyota, they put an aftermarket brake pad. That's one of the main things. That will a lot of times not have the same exact coefficient of friction as the original pad, and that can cause them to warp badly. That's one of the biggest things we see. When we get them in with warp rotors, generally they always have aftermarket brake pads on them. And we throw that junk away and put a real Toyota pad back and replace the rotors, and it will normally fix that problem. Okay. And what type of money am I looking at to get this problem fixed? It's just going to depend on what all is wrong. But at a minimum, you're probably going to have to replace the two front rotors and the front brake pad. So that's probably about a $300 deal. But there could be other factors. You just have to kind of see it and see what's involved. Okay. Well, all right. thank you very much for your information. All righty, Ms. Bill. Okay, thank you, thank ma'am. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would certainly love to have you. One other thing I thought of just now mm-hmm. about warped rotors. Yes, sir. They're making them so light nowadays that if you torque the wheel back That's onto correct. the vehicle incorrectly, you mm-hmm. can actually warp the rotors now. Yeah, what happens often is that folks will go and have their tires replaced or rotated, rotated. and they run those down with an impact wrench. And it doesn't actually warp the rotor because the rotor is just laying flat, but it warps the little hub under the rotor, and the rotor is sitting on that little hub. So if it's clamped down unevenly, it's going to wobble, and if it wobbles, it's going to wear to one side and the other, and then it's going to start to shudder on you. Exactly. So that is a good point. Yeah, not only do they have to be torqued down with a torque wrench or torquing device, but they have to be torqued down in a specific pattern. Yes. On a four lug, you go across each other. On a five lug, you go in a star pattern. And in a six lug, you go in a modified star pattern. But there is a proper procedure, and I like to torque them in steps. For instance, if the spec is 90 foot pounds, I want to go 30 and then 60 and then 90 on each of the lug nuts. Correct. Rather than running steps. any one down to 90 foot pounds and cocking it on the rotor exactly but yeah you can actually take a brand new set of rotors brand new set of pads get out there and crank down on those wheel studs the wrong way and, and cause, cause problems. problems yeah mm-hmm. and another thing is someone has done that in the past damaged or warped a wheel flange uh-huh it's going to shudder forever sure put a new but, rotor on and it's going to be perfectly parallel in the faces so it's going to stop it for a little while but as it wobbles as it stops it'll wear it irregularly you know the two faces will wear out of parallel and then it's gonna start shuddering again exactly so you'll have a repeat something if you've got a repeat problem you need to do a little further investigation to find out why they keep it keeps warping right you can go on our website and just type in the word run out and it'll bring up an article about dial indicators and shows you how you can actually measure the run out on Uh a wheel flange and that does fix an awful lot of them if you just know you got to go in and find what is causing the problem exactly let's go back to our phone lines with douglas good morning douglas 
Good morning. How are you? Doing great, Doing great. sir. I have a problem that's been troubling me. I have a 1995 Dodge Ram mm-hmm. 1500 pickup truck okay. with a 318 engine. And uh, three or four months ago, I'm driving. It just kills. Okay. Wait about maybe 30 seconds to a minute. Mm-hmm. Crank right up like it ain't done nothing. Okay. I thought maybe it might have been the fuel pump. Put a new fuel pump on it. Mm-hmm. Put a new uh, power pack and some of the crank sensor, put mm-hmm. that on, mm-hmm. and it's doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Douglas, that's one of those things you're going to have to get to somebody who can test it and tell you because you've probably already blew close to a 1000 bucks on parts and time and labor that you didn't need and maybe even made it worse depending on where you bought the part. It's one of those deals, there's so many things that can cause that problem. I mean, we could talk for three days about the stuff. Uh-huh. It could be a wire connector goes to the fuel pump. I mean, uh-huh. it could be a relay in the in the fuse box. It could it be could, a bad I, ground. I, it could be a bad ground on and right. on and on and on and on and on. You're going to have yeah. to have some test equipment, and you're going to have to have somebody knows what they're right. doing to find that problem because you're going to run out of money way before you run out of guesses. You better know it, and I put some relays in. Oh, yeah. Well, I can name 15 more things you can change that still ain't going to fix it. (laughs) You're just going to have to get it to somebody who knows what to do and let them find out what's going on, why it's dying. Right. You're going to have to be willing to bring it to somebody and leave it with them for a little while. So when when the problem occurs, they're on top of it. Yeah, they're going to probably have to drive. You know, the way we would go about trying to fix that, the first thing we'd do is we would attach a fuel pressure gauge to the vehicle and go drive it. When it dies, you watch what the fuel pressure is doing. Now, if the fuel pressure is still... At normal pressure, when it dies, we can forget about the fuel pump. We forget about everything in the fuel system, and then we can move on to the ignition, you see. So uh-huh. we could have eliminated all that stuff with that one little simple test. You'd have spent about 45 bucks to test that, and you wouldn't have to put a fuel pump and a relay and all the other stuff you already spent. Not to mention getting on your back under the, in the driveway trying right, to drop the gas right. tank out. See, it could be still a fuel problem sure. because if the wire going to the fuel pump or the ground going to the fuel pump has high resistance then uh-huh. what it's going to do is it could drop out under certain conditions it could overload a, a brand new fuel pump and it'll still kick out so uh-huh. there's so many things that could be something in the ignition but again without having test equipment on it when it's occurring man you're just going to guess 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 that's called swaptronics uh-huh. <laughs> and that is the absolute most expensive way to try to fix a problem i mean well, you if I bring it to you, yes, you could fix it. I could fix it. I'm just going to need you to leave it with me. I'm probably going to need it for about a week, depending on what all occurs. I mean, I might find it the first 10 minutes of the first day, but I'd be prepared to probably leave it for a while because I'm going to have to drive it until it occurs and then see what it is. But, yes, we can fix it. Okay, I'm going to bring it to you. Okay, Doug. Do I need an appointment? No, sir. You could just bring it in and drop it, and we just kind of work it between jobs. So what's your address? 11410 Corsi Boulevard. Okay, that's Argo? Oh, that's it. Agco, yes, sir. Yeah, well, I, I, I came out there, I've been hearing you on the radio, mm-hmm. and I came out there yesterday. Yeah, must have been after 12. <laughs> yeah. You ain't going to find me there after 12, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I talked to a lady at the desk, and she said the same thing that you just told me yes, about after mm-hmm. bringing in. Yeah, it's probably my wife and my daughter. So. Well, that's what I'm going to do because I'm tired, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, I yeah, understand. Well, you'll spend a fortune, man. I've seen people spend $1,000 trying to fix that problem and never get close. Yeah, and that's old work truck. I'm trying to make a little living that's by right. doing yard work. Yes, sir. And the people are blowing me off the street. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, Carl Douglas. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. Adam and Dean, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. 
Travel my way, take the highway. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things that chap my hide lately. $150 jeans, vanity licenses that are too complex to read, billboards that say drive carefully. Think about that one. Child beauty pageants. I mean, let's go ahead and set these kids up for failure before they get to kindergarten. And how about when you try to be nice and let someone out in traffic and they won't go because they're talking on the cell phone? Here's a message for you. Put the phone down! Another thing that chaps my hide is repair shops that use Swaptronics to fix your car. That's where they can't pinpoint the exact problem, so they just change parts, hoping to fix something, which means your repair bill could double. The experts at Agco determine the exact problem, then fix it right the first time, at the price quoted, which does not chap my hide. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we're going right straight back to our phone lines with Adam. Good morning, Adam. Hey, how you doing, man? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I was just wondering about a 2003 Kia with a, when I started it, it's got like a, the oddland, when it's oddland, it fluctuates a couple of hundred. RPMs, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And I was just wondering if it was the fuel pump getting weak. No, or no. Nope. I, I know I had this problem on a D71, and mm-hmm. it, it was a throttle position. Could be. That's one. I didn't know about yes, sir. That is one thing that could do it. But, Adam, it's kind of like the guy I was just talking to. If you want to, could be I, <laughs> could be in spending money, you can do that. Oh, yes, sir. That's why, but, I, haven't, that's why I haven't spent money. Yeah, yet. TPS on that particular car is probably part of the throttle body. It ain't going to be cheap. So you don't just go do that. What you have to do is exactly. get someone with a lab scope, put a lab scope on it, read the pattern on it, and see if the pattern's good. Because that's going to be a piece of cake to find if that's what it is. That's not going to be very much. It'd be a whole lot less tested than it is to replace it. Right, with the right equipment and the right experience mm-hmm. to know yes, what sir. you're looking see, for a, with the a right vacuum equipment. leak can cause the same problem something like a dirty throttle body can cause the same problem so there's a number really? of things that can yeah. cause that yes or even a loose ground on the call can cause that because voltages really? fluctuate up and down the system i've seen an alternator cause that problem i mean on and on and on like say so you will run out of money way before you run the, out of guesses because of the voltage fluctuation yeah, right? yeah voltage fluctuates up and down you know, the ignition's changing up and down the computer's freaking out i mean it can do all kind of stuff Remember, that is an electrical device, and just about all your sensors are based on voltage in one way or another. So if voltage fluctuates up and down, it's going to confuse everything in the system. The TPS is one possible cause. Because that is one input that it's looking at. Right, but, I mean, you're going to go throw a $300 off TPS at the problem, and that doesn't fix it. Now what? You ain't one bit better off. <laughs> and you may have caused another problem. Well, if you yes, if you get a bad part. Yeah, you get a bad part from a parts store, you'll all be worse off now and I'll run it all. You know? I was explaining that to a gentleman yesterday in the shop that there's some parts that we get right out the box. They don't even make it on the vehicle. We turn them around and send them back because yeah, they're not any good. Test them and they don't even work right out the box. But I would get that to someone. That's a fairly simple test, Adam. It does it all the time, every single time? Yes, sir. Usually, yeah, it does it even when it's hot. I thought it was a... You know, something to do with it not choking right or, you know, the automatic choke. Well, see, when it's hot, it goes to a closed loop, and that means all the sensors are running the engine. When it's cold, it's going to be in a default setting, which is going to kind of ignore all the sensors just running on a default setting. So it's going to idle differently when it's cold and when it's hot. 
Now, yes, if you sir. just want to try something yourself that's not going to cost you a lot of money, you could try cleaning the throttle body. That might help. You now know, you, sometimes it does, sometimes you, it doesn't. You have to have a special chemical to clean that well, throttle body. Buy with some throttle body cleaner because that is anodized, so it is a solid piece. There's porosity. no way for porosity. There you go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So okay. the air can get through it. But if you spray it with the wrong chemical, it eats that anodization off, right. and it, then it gets porous, and the air will start flowing through the metal right. so and cause a bigger problem. That's one thing you yes, could sir. try. And another thing you could do is you can go to a website. I put an article in there this morning on voltage drop testing. You could do a voltage drop test, test all your grounds on the car, and it's very simple. Now that you say that, I mm-hmm. think I do have some corrosion on my battery cable. Well, I would, that could do it. There. I yeah. would clean the throttle body, clean those cables real good. I mean, what you going to lose to do that? That yeah, stuff you can do real good. cheap. ain't going to cost you nothing, and you got, I mean, it might not fix it, but it might. Now, you, if you're going to clean that throttle body, I just thought of this. I'm not sure if that is a drive-by wire vehicle or if it actually has a cable that goes. Cable. Oh, does it does it have a cable? Okay, great. Because the drive-by wire, there's actually a little motor in there that runs the throttle body. And if the key is not off and out of the ignition, out of the car, and all the doors are closed, it could operate. And if you got your finger in there, it will uh, <laughs> It will cut it. It'll hurt you. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay, all right, I'm, sir. Thanks, man. Have a good day. You Bye-bye. too. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. Yeah, good morning. How you doing today? Doing great, sir. Doing very well. Okay, here's my problem. I have a 05 Chevrolet pickup truck mm-hmm. with a 5.3 in it. Okay. Okay, I'm getting this tapping noise. It's been doing it now for a couple of months. My oil pressure never gets over 40, even when I'm driving. At one time, you usually idle at 40, and when you start giving gas to go, it will come up. Mm-hmm. But it's tapping. And the tapping used to go away when I started driving, but now if I turn the radio down, mm-hmm. I can hear the tapping hear all the, the time. Tap. Yeah, now it's doing that. Uh, no, it's every now and then. Sometimes it don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's real loud, just idling. Yeah, there's a number of things that can cause that, Jesse, and none of them are good. You know, it's uh, generally going to be something in the motor doing that. Uh-huh. They've had a lot of trouble on those trucks with a couple of things. One is the rocker arms will actually lose little needle bearings in them. They'll just fall out, and that rocker will start making noise. Another is the push rods will wear into the ends of the rockers, which will do that. Another is the camshafts tend to wear out in those trucks, particularly yeah. if you follow GM's recommendation for all changes. If you follow their recommendation, changing every six, 7,000 miles, the odds of lubrication-related problems go way, way up. We're seeing an awful lot more of these kinds of problems since they went to those ridiculous all-change intervals. It just sounds like yeah. an internal engine problem with the low oil pressure and the always yeah. there. Some things, like a ticking that goes away as soon as it warms up, you could have a leak yeah. in the exhaust manifold or something like that, but... If it's pretty much always there, kind of goes up and down with speed, yeah, it doesn't sound good, man. So you're talking about a good extent. We're talking about another mode in it. could be, yes. Possibly. How many miles you got? Got 132 on it now. Yeah, so not that many miles. Just have to check it, Jesse. I mean, you can replace the camshaft. You can replace the lifters and all. Cheaper than you can put a motor in it, but it is a big, big deal. On that engine, the heads have to come off to replace the lifters. So okay. it's kind of a big deal, and I'm going to have to put you on hold. If I didn't fully answer your question, please just hold on during the break, and I'll talk to you some more about it when we come back. We're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things I'm tired of. I'm tired of reality TV. There's nothing real about it. 
I'm tired of all those housewives, the Kardashians, the brides, the bachelors, celebrities, and rehab. Here's an idea. Let's ship all the Flavor Flav's, Snookies, and Honey Boo Boo's off to a deserted island and watch America's average IQ jump up a few points. I'm also really tired of automotive repair shops that promote an $89.95 brake job and then hit the folks for 500 bucks and give them a lousy job. Listen to me, and take your vehicle to Agco, where you get quality work performed right the first time for a reasonable price. And that, my friends, is a reality. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, free tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? We're glad to try to help you out and talk with you and get some information from you and to you. There you go. <laughs> Let's go back to our line with Dean. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Doing great, sir. Doing very well. Good. Hey, I've got a 2001 motorhome with a V10. Okay. And occasionally, after getting off the freeway, I, I come to a stop. And I start, and it almost dies on me. And then I take off, and it, it seems to be okay. Mm -hmm. My mind's way down on the motorhome. I've got only about 12,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And I've replaced the fuel filter. Yeah, it's not going to uh, be it. I don't know exactly what this problem is. Yeah, it's a Ford chassis, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a couple of just common things. Either one could be it, but again, there's lots of other things it could be. They have a lot of trouble with the ignition coils on those vehicles, and the coils will get hot, and they can do that. It'll start to miss, and because you got 10 cylinders, you're not going to hardly feel one coil going bad because you got nine pulling you down the road, but it will idle right. pretty rough. That's one possibility. Now, I'll tell you another one, and you ain't going to believe this, but it'll definitely do it. Make absolutely sure your transmission is completely full of fluid. Because on a Ford, they have what they call a lock-up torque converter, and what unlocks that converter is the pressure from the transmission. It has to unlock to come to a stop. If you don't, it's going to be like trying to come to a stop with the clutch out. If it gets okay. a quart or two low on fluid, it may not unlock that clutch fully, and if it drags, it'll choke that engine down. And I have fixed a number of Ford products by putting transmission fluid in them and finding a leak and fixing a leak. I had one guy who had probably spent $2,000 trying to fix that problem, and he told me, well, I checked fluid. I know that's not it. Check fluid, and it's three quarts low. So transmission fluid is a little difficult to check. There is an article on my website that tells you how to do it properly. And okay. if you don't do it properly, you're wasting your time. But basically, it's got to be on level ground, fully warmed up, running in park, and you got to read both sides of the stick. And the lowest side is the correct side. And if one side shows full and the other side shows two quarts low, it's two quarts low. I got you. Okay, but good. It sounds, uh, that good. is one thing that will definitely fool you because it will stay in lockup, and like I said, it'll kind of choke down. It's like trying to come to a stop with a clutch out. I got you. Either oh, one yeah, of those have... could cause that problem. Now, obviously, something like a vacuum leak can also cause it. Lots of things can cause a dying at idle. Something like a stuck idle servo can cause it, but those are two pretty fairly common things. Okay. All right. Very All right. good. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys giving me some information. I'm going to get it checked out and see if I can't make it back to California. Okay, Dave. Right, thanks, so. man. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. 499-9526. Uh -huh. number. If you want to be part of the automotive, ride, we'd love to have you. And we've got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Hey, Lewis. How are y'all? Doing morning? great, sir. Good morning. I've got one of the F-150s. It's got the keyless entry. I love it. 
and I will put stuff in my truck. And the newspaper reported that the break-ins are the 250s and 350s. Does that also apply to the 150s and the keyless entry problems? Randy, that problem is more on the F-250s, 350s, and 450s with the plastic door handles where somebody just kind of reaches underneath the handle with some kind of a metal instrument and breaks it, and they can bop the lock off. The F-150, I think, is built a little bit different, but it doesn't keep anybody from breaking out if they're really determined. Any vehicle can get broke into fairly easy. I guess if a thug wants to get into it, it's not that difficult to get into any of them. But I haven't really seen any more on that one than any other. I hadn't heard any complaints out of it. Well, they didn't report anything on the 150s, mm-hmm. it was just the 250s and 350s, and I didn't know if that was just typical of those for some reason. They're, yeah, more, they're more common. Yeah, um, I really hadn't seen any problems with the F-150 other than the occasional thug who slim jims the door or whatever. Bust I mean, the glass. Or, bust you know. the glass. Or I can get into any car out there if I'm given a little bit of time and a little bit of determination. And, and depending on how much damage you want to cause. Yeah. You, you, know, you, you know, you can't can, bust the wind and you're in it. Well, and see, you can even punch the door lock out and take a chisel, hit it right in the door lock, reach in there and grab a little knob and unlock it. I mean, if you don't care about the person's vehicle, right. you, there's ways to get into it pretty easy, and that's true of any of them. Same thing on a Chevy pickup. You can just take a cold chisel and a hammer and knock the lock cylinder out of it, reach in there and unlock it. Not that difficult to do if you want to do it. Okay. All right. Well, I was just curious if it was acceptable. So, no, I haven't really right. seen any problem with them. All right. Thanks. Okay, Randy. Right, thanks, sir. man. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Randy on the line. Good morning, Randy. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. I heard you talking last week, kind of caught the end of the question, so this is what I'm going to tell you. I've got a 06 Chevrolet Trailblazer with very low miles on it. It's got like 54,000 miles on okay. it. Don't drive it very much. I have always changed the all. When I put in my book 3,000 Miles, mm-hmm. very seldom did it may ever make it 3,000. Always 2,500 mm-hmm. to, you know, to 3,000. August chains, I used Pinzol, 5W30, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. Last time I decided, a friend of mine kind of taught me, and we well, ought to go with the Mobile One synthetic. Mm-hmm. You can only have to change it to 3,000. You wait 5 to 7,000. No, nah, don't do that. No. no, sir. No, you're definitely doing yourself a disservice. Number one, I would never change the brand of all that you're using. Because both of those are good products, but they're not necessarily compatible one with another. The additive packages are totally different. Number two, synthetic oil is good. It's great for what it's designed to do, but it's not made to go longer. Synthetic oil is a better detergent than regular oil. It's going to get dirtier than regular oil does. It's going to pick up more contaminants. It's going to hold more contaminants in suspension. See, the problem that you got, Randy, when you're not using a vehicle very much, it sits a lot. It's got a lot of moisture buildup in that crankcase. That's right. a liquid contaminant. It goes right through the filter. Filter can't take it out. The only way to get it out is a drain and fill. Now, folks who drive maybe 100 miles at a time five times a week, they can go a little longer because the engine oil is always up to temperature. It's boiling the moisture out. It's turning the steam. The PC system scavenging it out. So it's they're in a little different situation. But on a low-use vehicle like you got, you're way better off to stick with a fossil oil and change it every 3,000 miles. There is nothing you can do better than that because that's going to drain all those contaminants and acids and stuff out of your crankcase. Okay. Since I've done it already one time, mm-hmm. now will it hurt to go back to the Pinzol? No, i just go back to what you've been using. You may notice a little bit of oil consumption for oh, a little while. Right now, if you go out there and check it, you may notice your oil level's down a little bit. And not always. Sometimes they don't care. Other ones, it just seems to make them burn oil. 
And right. I've seen even if you go back to the first all, it'll keep on using all for a while and then slowly take up over right. time. But, yeah, I'd go back to my original all. I'd stay with it. And just don't listen to what people tell you. <laughs> everybody's got everybody's got one, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to actually to a mechanic, and yeah. I, you know, he he was a mechanic, and yeah. I, I was listening to him. And all nah, that kind of nah, that's a disservice, uh, man. Because yeah. number one, your overall cost is probably higher or as high because you're going longer, but you're paying more for the product, right. and you're just not doing yourself a favor doing that. I would much right. rather see a person use fossil oil and change more often than to use a synthetic and try to go longer. Okay, so it's not gonna hurt to go back to my pins all no. convincing all. No, go. Back to conventional all, whatever you've been using, and just stay with that. Get you a good co filter to go on it. Yep. I use filters. Yeah, I'll go with AC Delco filter. Right. Go with the factory filter because yeah. the, the guy that designed that filter designed it for that yeah. engine and things there. Yeah, you know, go it's go on my website on and just look up all filter, the word all filter, and read that article and then decide well, what you're yeah, going to do. AC Delco is going to be better than for that vehicle, right? Well, yeah. I can't talk the about man. brand names on the air, but just go on my website and read right. that article. I got you. Okay. All right. Appreciate it, man. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd love to have you. We're going back to our lives with Robert. Good morning, Robert. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good. Just a quick question. My wife drives a 2009 Chevy Tahoe, and mm-hmm. it's the information system on the dashboard tells you to service the tire monitoring system. Yes, uh-huh. To, mm-hmm. You know, display the, the tire pressure all the way around the vehicle, and it doesn't do that anymore, and it's really not a big deal. I check it manually yes, anyway mm-hmm. pretty often, mm-hmm. but I'm just wondering, is that a battery and a sending unit that I can change, or is there something there that I can service? Or no, sir. Up? It's uh, the, the sending units are inside of the tires. You have to break the tire down to get to it, and the battery's not replaced. We have to replace the entire sender, and you, then it has to be programmed to the car. You said okay. the, the message center is not showing the tire pressures at all, or is it That's just right. one or no. none of them? None at all. None of them. None of them. You've probably got a receiver problem then because usually when a transmitter goes out in the wheel, it will lose that sensor, but right. it will still show the other three. Yeah, it'll show left front can't read, but right. it can but read it'll all show the other three. So you may yeah, have something system, else going on there besides just a transmitter. Mm-hmm. And the system seems to be working fine for all the other parameters. It's just the tire pressure. Yeah, it's not one system, though. That's just the monitor you're looking at. It's kind of like okay. your computer. You, you see the monitor, and if one program is screwing up, that program doesn't work, but all the rest of them work fine. So you can look at the monitor and say, well, they're all working except that one. No, each one's a separate system. Okay, so I'm so, taking it back to the dealer then. I'm personally not real fond of dealer service unless it's under warranty. I wouldn't do that. Any good shop will have a Tech 2 scan tool, which is what you need to fix that, and should be able to handle that problem for you with no problem at all. Gene, you should be out of warranty on that vehicle. Yeah, no, yeah. I, am. I would never I am, do right? that. I'd take it to somebody no else, but now it's up to you. Yeah, okay. Good all right. Well, all right. Good enough. Thank you, fellas. Uh-huh. All Bye-bye. right, sir. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd certainly love to have you. Need to take one last little break. There all we right. go. <laughs> We're going to take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a little advice for those who overshare on Facebook. I know I friended you, but please, I don't need to know what you had for breakfast or where you just scratched. I don't need to know your Uncle Dominic's political beliefs or that your mom painted her kitchen the color called Frosted Fern. And for the last time, we don't care that your cat, Doogie Meowser, really looks like Neil Patrick Harris. Some more advice? In this tight economy, why waste money on a new vehicle? Stick with your older model and take good care of it to make sure it lasts. Come to Agco for quality maintenance and repair, and we'll save you from throwing money away on a big note so you can pay other bills or save for something else. 
In Facebook terms, that's something you'll definitely like. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tree Tools will try to answer any automotive question you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? Still got several minutes to show. Left. That's right. And should you happen not to make the end of the show today or something occurs to you after we go off the air That's or right. even maybe sometime next week, you can always email Lewis and get your questions answered that way. That's you can right. go to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A G C O. A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get your questions answered pretty much within 24 hours, a lot of times sooner, depending yeah. on when you send it. Most times a lot sooner if I happen to be sitting at the computer, which I am very, very often. And even during the day at work, I usually try to check my email five, six times a day. So normally you'll get an answer back within a couple of hours. And if not, like I said, it'll always be within 24 hours. Right. And you know, something after about 8.30, that's kind of the end of that's the That's it. That's the end of my day. That's <laughs> the end of the day, so. It'll be the next morning That's before right. you get an answer. But but you might look around, too. they got a vehicle question section, well over a 1,000 questions in there have already been answered. And those come from email that people had sent us. And right, short, to-the-point answer to a right. particular question. Now, if you want to know more about a specific topic, you go to Detail Topics, and that'll tell you a whole lot more information. For instance, if you want to know how to pack a set of wheel bearings. Well, there's a whole article, in, and it shows you exactly how to do it. It's kind of funny. I was on there this morning, and... Sometimes I'll just kind of get on some of the forums, see like a link from my site to theirs, uh-huh. and I'll follow the link back to see what they're saying. And the guy was on there, and he's talking about packing wheel bearings, and he had looked at the thing and showed where we use a dial indicator. Well, who does that? Well, we, we do. do. <laughs> and, uh, I've changed hundred sets, and I never had them come back. The guy, he's supposedly a mechanic. Uh-huh. I said, well, no, they don't go back to you. They come to me. Right. We burned up wheel bearings. And then they're our customer forever. They don't ever go back to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all these burned up wheel bearings are coming from. But it's just kind of funny. But anyway, there's tons and tons of information. I put the second part of one on voltage drop testing this morning, and that's a very simple technique that's extremely, extremely powerful. We could go into just great, great depth of how many things you can solve with that one simple test if you once master the technique of it. So it's kind of a how-to article, which those are the most popular, so I try to put as many of those as I can. But Go in there and read that article, and if you like working on your car, even if you don't like working on your car, just kind of understand how it all works. It'll tell you a lot about electronics and electricity and how it flows and so on as that. Give you some kind of heads up so when you do get to the shop, you kind of understand what the service man is telling well, you what's right. going on. Or understand if he doesn't know what he's talking about. There you go. One or the other. <laughs> then you <laughs> know whether to stay or leave. That's right. Either way, you're going to be way, way better off. But yeah, lots of good, good information on there. Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. One of the things I've noticed is that several folks are buying new cars, newer cars, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. What's happened is that in our society, we've got a number of folks, I'm going to call baby boomers because that's kind of a common term, and most of them now are either in or approaching their prime earning years right so a lot of them have a good deal of disposable income and a lot of them have done without most of their lives a lot of them worked really hard and now they're going to treat themselves to a new car now the only problem that i see a lot of folks making is that they make a mistake when they say you know i'm going to buy a very expensive car so it'll be better 
And what they don't realize is that more expensive means better with a lot of things. But when it comes to a car, more expensive does not necessarily mean better. It just means more complex. Right. And more complex means more expensive. Way more maintenance down the road on the car, more systems that have to be maintained. For instance, a lot of folks will go out and they'll say, well, I bought a Lexus because I wanted a really good car. Well, uh-huh. it is a really good car, but it's not a bit better than a the Toyota. Toyota. As right. far as quality goes, it's just got it's more got, gadgets on it. Exactly. Nowadays, the more gadgets you have, they come in, you like them, they do, it does all kind of great things, mm-hmm. but when it breaks, right. it is all talking together. So when that component goes down... Any one component fails... It could shut the vehicle down. Well, that's right. Depending or, on what system goes down. It's going to, at very least, kick a whole bunch of dash lights on that are going to have to be fixed. Right. It's you not, can't just not fix them anymore. Right. It's not you can have an option, well, I'll just drive without that. And if you have the wherewithal to trade this vehicle in every three or four years, well, it's probably not ever going to be a problem for you. Exactly. Because you probably won't see any trouble three or four years. But if you're like most people, when you plank down 50, 60 grand, some of these cars cost, you can't really afford to just go throw it away at three or four years. Well, and things change, too. You buy, you say you go out, you spend $60,000 on mm-hmm. a vehicle, you decide right then and there you're going to keep it for four years. When the warranty's up, you're going to get rid right. of it. Right. That's right. Four years comes along, you look at yourself Real and say, fast. wait a minute. I still owe $30,000 on this car. I can't afford to get rid of it. <laughs> well, no. So that, now you're in. This guy who was maybe 60 years old, top of his career, well, now he's 65. He's looking at retirement now. Right. So he doesn't have that 60 grand to go plop down. Or really, I guess in reality, maybe 40000 because he could probably still get about twenty for this one. He's sure. lost forty grand in three years. But he doesn't have that forty grand extra to go down and plop down. So he says, well, I'm going to have to drive this one longer. Well, next thing you know, traction control light pops on or the rear camera quits working and the dash starts blinking or the navigation system goes down and it's got a big error message across it. And you really can't drive the car effectively without all this stuff. And you go into the shop, well, I'm going to go ahead and get it fixed. Well, it's three grand right. to fix this. and. Okay, I need a set of tires. Well, it's got 20-inch tires on it. and they're V-rated 20-inch tires. Yeah, they're 400 bucks a piece. Well, I just ain't got that kind of money. I can't afford that. So he puts a set of T-rated tires on it. Well, now it handles like the devil. It right. tears up a bunch of other stuff. And on and on and on it goes. And I'm not trying to scold anybody. I'm just saying you got to think ahead. And I know like a lot of people are in a position, maybe they're 50, 55, 60 years old. Uh-huh. They're earning good money right now. They're at the top of their career, and they want something nice. But just remember that more expensive does not mean it's better. It just means it's a lot more complex. For instance, a Lincoln is not a bit better than a Ford, and an Infiniti is not better than a Nissan. It's just got more gadgets on it. Right. Cadillac is not better than a Chevrolet. In fact, if anything, the more gadgets you got, the more likely you are to have problems down the road just because there's more stuff to break. Exactly. There's more little servo motors and gadgets and this, that, and the other. When you go to something like automatic temperature control in a car, well, it's very, very nice. We've got dual zone automatic temperature control and you push your little buttons and everything stays nice and comfortable some cars have four zone you heat the front and the back but one day it starts blowing hot air in your face and it's 110 degrees outside and it's 120 degrees in your car and it's three thousand dollars to get it fixed it's three grand to fix this system because it's a very very complex system right and i'm just saying realize what you're getting into think ahead because those cars are going to lose value way faster than those notes are going to go <laughs> in many cases. And if you are at a point in your life, like I am, you know, you're starting to say, well, I'm not going to be able to work for the rest of my life. Right. There's going to come a time when I'm not going to be able to work anymore. I'm not going to be getting this weekly paycheck in. So I really, right now, it's not a big deal. 
if I got to take and bring it to the shop and it costs 1000 1500 bucks, no big deal. I, right. can, I can afford it. But in five years, will you still be able to afford that? Exactly. You know, once and then two, if you've got money in the bank and retirement and so on and so forth, the stock market takes another nosedive, drops fifty points. Right. Now your income's cut in half. Are you going to be able to afford it? Right. So what we got to do? You don't want to go through your whole life depriving yourself of anything you ever wanted. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm just saying, leave yourself some cushion there. Do your homework. Do be some careful. homework. Be careful what you're buying. Because right. man, I see people come by all the time with brand new cars they bought, and man, they ain't got a clue. Oh, I know what they got. You know, they're they're happy right now, and I'm yeah, everything's I, working great. God you're bless happy. you, man. I'm happy for <laughs> you too. But yeah, I hope it keeps going that way. I also see the other side of the equation because when well, they break, I'm the guy that's going to see it. Right, we see it every day. <laughs> yeah, people just absolutely go into shock when they find out what it's going to cost to fix these things. Got a fella in there right now who's got a Link Aviator uh-huh. and lowish miles, I think 89,000 miles. Okay. Check engine light pops on, running a little rough, brings it in, got low compression on cylinder four. Well, it needs an engine. Wow. Well, you know, 89,000 miles needs an engine. Right. Four-year-old vehicle. Yeah. Five-year-old vehicle. But that's what's going to happen. Now, you could probably put it along a bit further. It's not running that bad right now, but this is going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Sure. It's definitely going to get worse. And at some point, you got to put a motor in it. So just kind of be aware of all those things. They're out there. (laughs) Put a motor in it to get rid of it. That's right. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening to us this morning on the Automotive Hour? We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go tell your friends. That's Go to right. iTunes, give us a written rating. Right. We really appreciate that. And you also can listen on Stitcher or any of the other fine podcast rebroadcast service. We really appreciate those written ratings. Kind of moves up and helps us out. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.